Welcome, everyone, to the NBA podcast on RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Here early in the week for the NBA as the NBA All-Star Weekend concludes on Sunday night with the All-Star Game as the East put up a record 211 points. That's right, 211 points. They beat the Western Conference 211-186. But I thought this was a good time for us to kind of preview the second half of the season. We'll discuss some of our most surprising teams, our disappointing teams, and we'll obviously talk about bets, bets, and bets, some actionable stuff that you can sweat out in the second half of the season along with us. But joining me here to help me break everything down in the association and get ready for the second half of the season is my main man, Sleepy J. Sleepy, what's going on, brother? How are you doing this Monday afternoon? I'm chilling, man. Kind of enjoying uh, President's Day. I guess maybe I took like a half a day off of work. So enjoying that. It was a nice relaxing weekend, you know, watch the NBA All-Star game. And uh, we did good with that. You know, we hit a nice pick there. Ended up watching a golf tournament, did that. So it's kind of been a, a relaxing weekend, but I'm ready for the second half of the NBA. You and I got some wagers. We're going to go ahead and give out some uh, some futures and then also go ahead and give out another player prop best bet to get everybody ready for Thursday. Uh, speaking of the weekend and you saying relaxing, well, I mean, maybe your mind was relaxing, but maybe your, your, uh, legs were, uh, a little sore there because you filled up your pockets this weekend, my friend, uh, I know we're not, we're talking offline. Um, you hit a 80 to one on Decky, uh, for the Genesis invitational this weekend. And just to put the cherry on top, like you mentioned, we had a great all-star weekend when we did our pod for the all-star weekend, you hit a 13 to one on one Damian Lillard to win the MVP of the All-Star Game. And a great weekend for Dame. He wins the three-point contest as well on Saturday night, comes back and carries that momentum into the uh, All-Star Game where he just came out absolutely on fire. Both him and uh, Tyrese Halliburton were looking really good for the Eastern Conference All-Star, like I mentioned. But uh, let's let's quickly recap what we gave out uh, on the uh, last pod that we did for the All-Star Weekend. So like I mentioned, Sleepy gave out the big 13-1 winner for Dame MVP. I had the first half over uh, in the All-Star game as well. That one got to the window fairly easily. I think they scored 193 points in that first half, Sleepy. But that one got to the window. We also discussed uh, Mac McClung uh, repeating as the dunk contest cha- uh, champion. I know that was a little bit chalky there. I think when we talked about it on the pod, uh, Sleepy, it was around minus 190. I want to say it closed around uh, minus 250 in that neighborhood. Uh, but he does get it done um, for us. So we had a pretty good weekend there, Sleepy, from All-Star Weekend. Any other takeaways uh, that we want to talk about for at least the Saturday night events? Yeah, you didn't mention the uh, the Sabrina versus Steph. I guess it was pretty close. He ends up winning there by three. But, you know, give credit where credit's due. That girl went out there, shot her ass off against arguably the best shooter in the NBA of all time. So that was pretty neat. Um, I didn't catch too much of the dunk contest or three-point contest. I think I was watching uh, the UFC, so I was partaking in that a little bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, from what I've read, uh, and, and maybe this could you know, be something that, that you and I talk about, a lot of people were doing a lot of complaining about the All-Star game. So I don't know if you want to go ahead and chit-chat about that, but I saw some people online and on social media going ahead complaining about you know just the game in general. Yeah, I mean, we could we could talk about that right there. The NBA All Star Game actually on Sunday, and I think that there was a, um, a, a interview or a conference that uh, Adam Silver, Commissioner of the NBA, did, and that 
In so many words, Sleepy, he said that he wants to see a more competitive uh, NBA All-Star game. And it just didn't happen, right? I mean, we saw a record amount of points being put up uh, in this game. A three-point shot was just looking like layups out there for the Eastern Conference. And we talked about how Dame had an incredible night. Two, what, half-court shots that he just casually knocked down um, in that game. Halliburton had a great game as well. But I think the gripe for a lot of people and fans in general is that it just it's a glorified pickup game. Where there's Or not even a pickup game. It's just almost guys just going out there and trying to hit incredible shots and, and who can hit the furthest shot and just kind of going through the motions. And I think that the bigger conversation, I think something that we want to discuss here as well is, I mean, what's the fix for the all-star game? I mean, do you do it something like the in-season tournament where there's a cash prize or a bigger cash pool, or do they change the format because they had, you know, the captains drafting their own um, teams prior to this season where I think since 2017, they went back to that first format of the East versus the West. But I think for this all-star game, I think there has to be some type of change made where it is more competitive because it's just getting worse and worse as the years do go by uh, for this all-star game. So I want to get your thoughts on it. Is there a solution here for it? Or, or, I mean, is it something that's not fixable? No, it's not fixable. You can't make players go out there and play defense. This is why the NFL Pro Bowl went ahead and failed. Players, they Mm -hmm. do not want to go out there and get hurt, and they don't want to go out there. You know, they don't want them taking charges and, you know, doing stuff like that and blocking guys at the rim, putting themselves at risk. They do that every game. That's what they get paid for. You know, this is kind of one of those times where the NBA players, what did they play now, Manoff, like 45 games already? This is a time for them to go ahead and kind of relax a little bit. And for the All-Stars, the best players in the league, they get less time off. I could see it being, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more enjoyable for the players, especially the All-Stars, if they can just go out there, you know, dunk, pass, and shoot with not having to worry about, you know, going out there and getting hurt. In my opinion, it's not going to change. The NBA will... You know, I think maybe try to uh, implement some type of like the MLB all-star type of thing where, you know, that particular game matters. But honestly, I I do not think that that will work. I think if they want to fix it, then leave it the way that it is. If people don't like the product, then just don't watch it. This is kind of, you know, what it's become because this is the way that people kind of think today. Like back in the 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, it meant something to, to play in that game and to go out there and get that NBA MVP because it became part of your legacy. Players today, you know, they're getting paid 10 times what those guys in in those days got. And they have so many more promotions today, so many more endorsements. You have social media. You have just so many ways to make money, whether it be on TV, podcast, whatever. These guys today, I mean, these guys are all rich, rich. And if they go down, they can end up losing their entire career. And I say... Me personally, don't change it because if you can't make the players go out there, I mean, they're not going to be able to make the players go out there and just say go out there and play defense and make a competitive game. I think we've seen the try to push a, put a little pressure on these guys, and it just hasn't worked. It just hasn't worked. And you have to ask yourself, like, well, what's the NBA going to do? Are they going to pay these guys $5 million a, a guy? You know, you got 40 guys out there. What, are you going to go in? It's $200 million just to pay these guys to play in this game. It's just not worth it to the NBA's bottom line. So here's what I think. I think that the mouthpieces need to stop complaining. People like Stephen A. Smith, 
going out there and he's supposed to be an advocate for the sport. It's one game, dude. You're causing more hurt than you are adding any help. So you're not going to fix it unless you sit down with 40 players and you and you have them all agree, look, we're going to pay you this amount of money to go out there and play offense, defense, play a real basketball game at 40, 40 guys. They're just not going to do it. These are the league's best players. So here's what I say. Enjoy it while it lasts. Let them go out there and put their dunks on and half court. Like It's still fun to watch, but it's not competitive, and I get that. But if we could just get it through our heads that this is the way that it is, because the NBA game has changed drastically from the 70s to the 80s to the 90s to 2024. It's changed drastically, and a lot of the old-timers went up. They simply don't watch the NBA anymore because it's not like it used to be. Well, the NBA All-Star game is not like it used to be either. So we kind of got to grow with the times and be happy that it's here because it could turn into the NFL Pro Bowl, which that's absolutely unwatchable. You cannot even watch that game. I mean, I don't even care if you're a diehard. You just can't simply watch. You can't watch it. But you can sit and watch the NBA All-Star game. So I think if the point is made from the commissioner that, this is the way the NBA All-Star game is going to be played because we care about the health of our All-Stars. We care about, you know, um, having their participation because it could turn into something similar to the Olympics where the best players in the world don't want to play. They, they don't want to go out there and they don't want to do that. So my opinion is just uh, let's all be quiet about it. Let's be happy about it. Let's learn to kind of grow with, you know, where it's at. And, I mean, it, right now it's it's still enjoyable there's a lot of entertainment. It might not be competitive, but you could end up with no competition, no entertainment, and a bunch of scrub guys out there, and they're calling it the NBA All-Star Game, holding on for it for dear life. That's where we're going to end up if we keep complaining. So my recommendation, stop complaining and enjoy it. Yeah, I think you also brought up a great point there that this day and age in the NBA that these guys have a lot of endorsements. And you know, there's companies and it was over sports books or you know, whether it's with other companies outside of gambling that they have events, they have parties and they have they expect their guys to be at these events. It's not like they're going to these respective cities, wherever the NBA All-Star game is and just, you know, relaxing and, and just waiting around for for the All-Star game. Because, again, there's parties happening, there's, you know, fundraisers and, and things like that happening, events happening and things like that for some of these players. And. I think Anthony Edwards said it. I don't want to misspeak here, but I think in so many words, that defense is the last thing that's on his mind. And kind of into your point of what you just mentioned there, that these players just want to go out there and have a good time. And you spoke about injuries about an hour before the game started. LeBron came out and said that I'm probably not going to play this entire game or play a lot. And we saw it. He played in the first half, came out in the second half, didn't play a single minute because he was nursing that ankle injury, but he wanted to still go out there, at least for the first half. And for the fans that were out there, I you know, wanted to see LeBron play, uh, you know, in an all-star game. So I think that, you know, for LeBron to come out and say that, that I think injuries are more important. Like there's bigger goals for these players at, when the second half of the season does start. You know, that health is number one priority for not only the players, but obviously the head coaches and the front office of the respective leagues. And, you know, maybe they're making those phone calls and saying, hey, don't put my guy out there for too long because we have goals in the second half of the season. That health is the number one most important thing. So, I think you're correct, and I do agree with you that if there is a fix, it's going to be a difficult solution to find that you can't force these players to go out there and and play you know hard defense and, and competition because times have changed. And like you mentioned, that we've seen it 
for a lot of these, you know, early in the nineties and in mid nineties where, you know, things like these endorsements and like that just didn't exist. And these guys have other obligations as well. So, you know, for, for like you mentioned, like guys like Stephen A come out and saying these things that he he's in, you know, there needs to be some type of change or whatever the case might be that it's a difficult to find that type of solution. So, you know, we'll see if something does transpire, but as an NBA fan last night, when I was watching the game sleepy, that it was just fun to watch the most talented players in the world compete. Now, I don't want to say competing, but they're on the floor at the same time, right? Because there's an entertainment factor to it as well. I mean, there's some incredible shot making going on and things like that. And you can still hear the ooze and offs from the crowd. So I think they still enjoy it there as well. So, you know, we'll see if something does happen for the all-star game, but with it right now, I'm I'm perfectly fine where we're at with it here, Sleepy. So we'll put a pin on that. A profitable weekend for us, for sure, uh, in the NBA All-Star uh, weekend. And we'll hopefully we can continue that into the second half of the season. Speaking of the second half of the season here, Sleepy, wanted to kind of get up to speed for people maybe that haven't paid attention to the first half of the season because we did have NFL going on. And usually after the new year or when, once the NFL is over, that's when people start paying attention to hoops, especially on the hardwood with the NBA. So what we wanted to do here, Sleepy, is kind of or talk about at least one team each that's been the most surprising to us and then the most disappointing. We'll talk about some bettable um, you know, action that we can get down on right now because there are so many opportunities right now with Sportsbook putting up updated regular season win totals, make and miss playoffs, conference odds, championship odds, uh, teams to participate in the play-in tournament, you know, teams to reach X number of wins. Um for the rest of the season. Those opportunities are out there right now here, Sleepy. So let's start here. Let's start with our most disappointing team. I'm going to give you the floor here. Which team thus far this season, around the halfway point here, has been the most disappointing to you? It's easy for me. It's the Charlotte Hornets, my most disappointing team. I think that it's because I ended up thinking that this team potentially could be a, a playoff team for me. Not to be the case. You know, I had some stock with them going into the year, but I thought that Bridges... Uh, coming coming back and, and you know, putting him with LaMelo Ball and, you know, you had Terry Rozier and you brought in, you know, a, a nice draft pick addition in Brandon Miller. I definitely thought they were going to be a much better team. But, you know, when you have health and suspensions and, you know, guys not fitting in and guys not maybe growing fast enough, it's kind of, you know, it's a work in progress, I guess you could say. For me, maybe they would be my most disappointing, but I think the Warriors are probably another team that I'm disappointed in because it took a long time for Kerr to kind of figure it out. But I do think that some of the blame has to go on on some of the players for sure. Draymond, you know, he can't go out there and just start choking dudes out and getting suspended. He's like, he's the glue of this team. He has always been. And, you know, Clay's kind of hit and miss and that's kind of been hard for Golden State to kind of figure out, you know, with what what are they doing with him on a nightly basis and, and some of the young guys. But I think Kerr's finally figured it out. You know, sitting 10th right now is, um, I mean, it's going to be one of those situations where the Warriors are going to have to go ahead and play really, really tough in the second half if they want to avoid a play-in. But I think you have to ask yourself, you know, where is this team going to be, you know, when, when the playoffs start, if they are in the playoffs. Because if you got to take on a team like the Nuggets, the Lakers, the Thunder, the Suns, you just got to ask yourself if they're going to have enough gas in the tank. So a little bit disappointed with them that they didn't at least figure it out earlier, uh, behave themselves, and have themselves in a better position. But 
Hornets for me as far as my pocket, yeah, most disappointing to me. And then it would be uh, it'd be the Warriors second. Yeah, I, I agree with you about the Warriors. I mean, like you mentioned, right, this team, quote-unquote, if you want to call it dynasty, and they've been able to win multiple titles with the core that they have intact, right? We talk about head coach Steve Kerr, um, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson. I think you throw uh, Kevon Looney into that conversation as well because I think that he, he's been a, a, a huge uh, impact player for that team that has won multiple titles with him on this team. So, and again, it, it, with the whole Draymond situation, I know you're a Draymond fan, but I think for, you know, for the success of your team, like you can't like that, those, the antics on the court, like it can't happen. And for how good of a player Draymond Green is to this offense for the Golden State Warriors, that's really going to set you back. And it kind of has thus far this season because he had that lengthy suspension, what, twice, already uh thus far this season but again they ended the second half or sorry the first half of the season playing great basketball over the final two weeks before we did get to the all-star break i know they dropped that game against the clippers but they came back the following night which is probably a tough spot for them and almost gave that game away but they're able to win in utah and kind of build that momentum going into the second half of the season but right now like you mentioned they are sitting at 10th uh in the western conference and if they can see uh if they can make a run uh, and get out of maybe that play in tournament bracket or even get into the, like I mentioned, the top six seed um, and not having to play those extra couple games trying to get into the playoffs. But, you know, I think for me, I talked about this team at the beginning of the season when we did the season preview here, Sleepy. The team that has disappointed me is the Atlanta Hawks. And right now they're sitting with a record of 24 and 31, currently sitting in that 10 spot in the Eastern Conference. And, Coming into the season, we talked about it in the beginning of the season, why I really like their win total to go over was number one, starting at the head coaching position, right? With Quinn Snyder, who had a lot of success with that Utah Jazz team. Um, for the head coaching position for this Atlanta Hawks team, they've seen a lot of turnover from going from Lloyd Pierce to the friction, which may or may not have been there between Trey Young and Nate McMillan. And now they brought in Quinn Snyder, Last season where they hired him, I think that was a little bit telling for me, where I think it was like, a, I want to say maybe 10 to 15 games left when they brought in Quinn Snyder. And they had the full offseason for Quinn Snyder to implement his system. And you have a great backcourt with all-stars like Trey Young, DeJounte Murray. The front court depth was great as well. They picked up Sadiq Bey at the trade deadline last year. I know Bogdanovich was dealing with some injuries last uh, season and, and earlier this season as well that maybe kind of messed up the ebbs and flows of this team. And also they are dealing with some front court uh, injuries right now. We talked about on, the, on a couple pods ago that Clint Capella has been out. Oyeke Okongwu went down as well. But they also had guys on this team, young guys, I should say. And we talked a lot about Jalen Johnson when we give out that player prop best bet that got us to the window that they do have talent on this team. So I'm not sure if it's an effort thing for this Atlanta Hawks team, but I think the one thing that really sticks out to me that has been a constant problem, I guess we can say, for this Atlanta Hawks team has been defensively because they still come into this season as one of the worst-ranked defenses in the entire league. And on the season right now, the they are the second-worst defensive-rated team. The worst is what you just mentioned, the team in the Charlotte Hornets and the Detroit Pistons, who also only have eight wins this season. Now, offensively, we know this team is great because like the, the names that I mentioned, they could fill up the basket, but it's defensively that if you want to win ball games in the NBA, you have to play some type of defense, and they haven't been able to do that, and that's been consistently bad throughout the season. Like I mentioned, season-long, second-worst um, second defensive-rated team, 
You take over the last five games before the All-Star break, they were right down there in the bottom five as well as one of the worst defensive-ranked teams. So if Atlanta wants to have any success, I think they can start playing some type of defense here. And I think that team, at least for me and for my pockets, like you mentioned with Charlotte, Atlanta has been one of those most disappointing teams for me here as well, Sleepy. You know, the big thing that I worry about are those teams that are sitting just outside of the 10th seed or the 10th seed because you don't know what those teams are going to do. You don't know how they're going to react to, you know, that they have to go ahead and fight back. And you have to worry if they're going to tank too. Like one of the teams I'm going to go ahead and give out for my best bet, and I was actually thinking about texting some important people um, this this particular pick. Um, I do think that there are going to be some teams there that are looking to go ahead and kind of wrap the season up and say, you know what, this is a, a little bit of a daunting task. We're going to go ahead and take our talents in the next year, see what we can go ahead and figure out. But I think Atlanta's not one of those teams because I think Trey Young and Murray uh, are in, in Capella. And I mean, they have a lot of young guys there like Jalen Johnson, like those guys, they're a pretty good basketball team. But like you're saying, like the defense, you know, at some point you have to grow and you just have to get it together. So, I mean, that was a team that I was against in the beginning of the year. I thought their season win total would go under. I don't know if I had mentioned that to you, did a podcast with you, but I just didn't like the optics. I didn't like a lot of the movement and things that were just going on with that team. But, um, We'll see in the second half. Maybe you won't be as disappointed. Maybe they'll go ahead and kind of just get back to playing Atlanta Hawk basketball. But I guess we'll see. All right, Steve, let's get over to our team that's been the most um, surprising thus far this season in either conference here. What are, you, what are you thinking? Well, I wouldn't be surprised, Manoff, if you and I both agree with this one. And for me, it's Oklahoma City. Nobody had them sitting as the number two seed in the West at the All-Star break. I doubt even – the Oklahoma City fans saw this coming or even probably would have predicted this would have happened. I thought we would kind of see like maybe this young team fade away at some point, maybe a little bit. Like, yeah, okay, cool, you're, you're number two, number three seed. I'm like, you know, they're going to eventually end up being a six, seven, eight, probably a playing team. Completely wrong. I did not see this team playing as well as they as well as they, they have been. I mean, they're going out there, they're holding serve, uh, SGA, Looks like a bona fide MVP candidate. You brought in uh, a lot of young talent, and they kept, they held on to a lot of talent that they developed over the last couple of years. And it just seems like everything's kind of, you know, kind of just fitting in with this team right now. They're definitely a better team. I don't expect anything less, and I don't want to say I expect more. I mean, I I would I wouldn't be surprised if this team turns out to be the number one seed because. You know, they're just they're they're young. They're not cocky, but they play with a lot of swag and there's a lot of energy and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of tread on the tires with this group of, of guys for OKC because they're just a young, a young crew that has a lot of talent. So, um, you know, they could run past a lot of these older teams. I think like a team like the Warriors going up against OKC, that would be a tough battle there for the Warriors, even though that they might be favored. Those young legs eventually, you know, um, you know, when you're in a long, long sprint like that, especially in a you know, five, six, seven game series or something like that, um, might be trouble. So I wouldn't want to mess with this. Team. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained and it could be easy to ignore. 
your social battery and just spread yourself too thin, you know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for. Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness and you can build basically your routine that reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. I got a lot out of it, and it's so easy here. Give BetterHelp a try if you've said, I don't want to go out of my way to do this. It's all online. It's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. It's simple. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Vegas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Vegas. AJ, it's important to me that the supplements that I take every single day are of the highest quality. And that's why ever since they jumped aboard as a sponsor with us, I've been drinking AG1. Because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality. And I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, B vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support, vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore. Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. And there's a reason why I drink it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash SOV. That's drinkag1.com slash SOV. Check it out. Yeah, I'm with you. With in in as one of these teams that has been the most surprising, that has definitely been the Oklahoma City Thunder. Like you mentioned, right now sitting as a number two seed in the Western Conference with a record of 37 and 17, they've been absolutely dominant on their home floor where they're 21 and six straight up. Have been one of the best teams against the spread at home as well. And like you mentioned, right, number one, I think it starts with their head coach. I don't think a lot of people know about Mark Dagnall, who's the head coach of this. Oklahoma City Thunder team and right now he is the odds on favorite to win NBA coach of the year for this uh 2023 2024 year at at 2 to 1 right now. So you take to also look at this roster, right? I know they didn't have Chet Holmgren last year uh dealing with the injury he set out the entire year. They got him on this team to pair right next to uh SGA. You talked about Jalen Williams. Uh, if you're a NBA fan, you know how much of an impact player He's been for this Oklahoma City Thunder team. I think it's all, a lot of times when I look at these teams that are sitting at the top of these, um, you know, standings, it, it starts with coaching. And I think that Mark Dagnall's done an absolutely fantastic job with this Oklahoma City Thunder team. And you take a look for this OKC Thunder team, they do have one of the easier schedules going into the second half of the season. Uh, in fact, they have a top seven easy schedule, uh, according to NBA Dunk, uh, sorry, Tankathon. Uh, for the second half of the season. So don't be surprised if we do see this Oklahoma City Thunder team end up as the number one seed in the Western Conference. Like you mentioned, Sleepy, as well, SGA right now is the second odds-on favorite to win the MVP. He's only uh, trailing the Joker, who's minus 140 right now, currently over on DraftKings. SGA plus 210 
to win the uh, uh, NBA, NBA regular season MVP. So I'm with you on the Oklahoma City Thunder here as well. And one more team, and I think I mentioned this on the pod uh, last time also, is the Cleveland Cavaliers for me as well. And I know this is a team, obviously, with LeBron well past not being in Cleveland anymore, that they figured things out on this team. Right? They've put together an absolutely fantastic roster led by Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland in the backcourt. And you take a look at the two uh, the trees in their front court with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. Been absolutely fantastic. I know Evan Mobley's been dealing with injury this season as well. But Jared Allen has held his own. And I know we've talked about Jared Allen a lot. And we've given him out as our player prop best bet um, on the pod here. And he's, he's got us to the window. But you take a look. They've been very consistent sleepy. 19-9 and nine straight up at home. 17-8 and eight on the road. So their defense has been traveling for this team as well. Because they are one of the best defensive rated teams as well. And as great as their season has been going right now. They're the, in the number two spot in the Eastern conference. So I think that success for them is going to continue in the second half of the season for this Cleveland Cavaliers team led by Donovan Mitchell. And I know they were dealing with some injuries over the past month or so, like we mentioned, you know, with Darius Garland being out, Evan Mobley being out as well. They've got those two guys back now on their roster. So I expect them to maybe even make a push for the number one seed. I know there's six, uh, six games behind right now of the Boston Celtics, but we've seen crazier things happen uh, in the NBA. So I think Cleveland, I wanted to give them their flowers for how they've been able to, uh, you know, perform this season, especially with when we talk about the Eastern conference, that the cream usually rises to the, uh, the top. You know, we talk about teams like the Boston Celtics the Milwaukee bucks. The Sixers are always in that conversation with Joel Embiid, but I think Cleveland is sometimes not talked about enough just because they're in a smaller market compared to the other teams that I just mentioned here. Sleepy. So I want to give Cleveland their flowers here as well as one of the more surprising teams for me. Uh, in the first half of the season here. Yeah, don't blame me. And I think it's it's certainly justified. I mean, we watched this team last year. I think they started out pretty hot and um, they, they kind of fizzled away a little bit. I think that they had a little bit of growing pains and there were a couple of things that they just couldn't get in order. But clearly it looks like they're, they're running on all cylinders. And, you know, if this team could go ahead and, and play at their highest, best level, they're going to give anybody an issue in the East. So I expect Cleveland to... Uh, to be a thorn in everybody's side and it might sound crazy to say that they can go ahead and make make the finals but you never know how the seating is going to end up you could end up with boston you know taking out the bucks or, or the bucks taking out boston so i think it's important for cleveland to go ahead and uh you know go ahead and maintain where they're at right now like they don't want to slide down and have to try to see both of those teams potentially you know in the playoffs if you can go get through one of them you know and and avoid maybe the other team then you have a legit shot. So I think Cleveland certainly, certainly live. I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, Sleepy, that there is a lot of actionable items right now for the second half of the season. And I think the books are doing a really good job, especially DraftKings, of putting out some of these markets, right? Especially right now at the at the halfway point or a little more than halfway point. A lot of some of these teams have played, or most of these teams have played 50 plus games, but you still have markets out there for teams to make the playoffs to participate in the play-in tournament, regular season wins, uh, to win X amount of games and things like that. It goes on from there as well. So let's put some, you know, some actionable items down here. And I was kind of going through, and I'll kick it off here. So I was going through uh, the strength of schedule left for um, the entire league here. And I think that one team that kind of stood out to me that maybe a lot of people are not going to be talking about, but they are in the news today because they did 
fire their head coach, Jock Vaughn. I think there's a good conversation piece here as well that we should have talked about. We talk about, you know, updates around the league. I want to save it for this portion here because I'm talking about this team. Now, the Brooklyn Nets, they fired Jock Vaughn, who just signed a multi-year uh, contract extension from them just last season to be the head coach. And it just didn't work out for them uh, for at least the first half of the season. Right now, uh, Woj reported that Kevin Ollie. Uh, is in talks to be the next head coach for this Brooklyn Nets team. But I took a look at this Nets team, and right now we talk about this team. There's a, a plenty of talent on this team here, Sleepy, right? We talk about Mikael Bridges, Nick Claxton having a good uh, season as well. Uh, they picked up Dennis Schroeder at the trade deadline, or they traded or they um, traded away Spencer Didwitty. Uh, but Cam Johnson on this roster, they have a lot of talented guys on this roster, and and, uh, and I went back and looked. So right now, the updated number for their regular season win totals is sitting at 34.5 at plus 100 at even money. And I like the over on that because, number one, when we talk about in any sports sleepy, that you kind of you get that new head coach boost. Uh, I think we saw that this past week, and I know it was only for one game, right, that Ohio State, and if you call, follow college hoops, that they had their first home game um, with their new head coach against a number two ranked uh, team in the country in Purdue and got the Ironrod victory. But I, something similar to that, but I think this is something that can transpire, especially being in the Eastern Conference for this Brooklyn Nets team. So right now, Brooklyn, they're sitting at 21 and 33. They're about two and a half games out of the 10th spot uh, in that play-in tournament bracket. And I think that bringing in a new head coach, and right now this team is sitting at, like I mentioned, 21 and 33. They've played 54 games. I'm just asking this team that has the second easiest schedule remaining in the entire association for the rest of the 28 games to play 500 basketball to get me to over 34 and a half wins here. So I, I, I got down on this bed right now on their updated number over 34 and a half at even money sleepy here. So I will, I'll kick it off there with, with, you know, some of the second half future bets that we want to give out here. You have any thoughts on the Brooklyn Nets here? I do. My best bet is the Brooklyn Nets team total under 34 and a half. Oh, another head to head. So, oh. all right, let's, let's go back to last week. Manoff and I actually had our, our first head to head best bet. And uh, he kicked my butt. I went ahead. I took the Pelicans. He had the Wizards. Uh, he was right on that one. So when off's up, one nothing. But I obviously disagree with you here. And I get the strength of schedule. I understand that. All right. But when you look at the Brooklyn Nets schedule, they play nine, let's just say, bad tanking, semi-tanking type teams. Nine of them. Six of those games are on the road. And here's the issue with looking at schedule, strength of schedule at this time of year. When you're looking at teams like Detroit, when you're looking at teams like Charlotte, when you're looking at teams like the Spurs, when you see those teams on the schedule, you're like, bad team. But let's not forget, those teams already kind of accomplished what they were trying to accomplish, to fall in a good spot within the lottery so they can go and get one of the better draft picks when the draft comes around. But those teams... Towards the end of the year, especially in the second half, those teams come out and fight because they can. They don't have to worry about tanking anymore. Now you're going to see a team maybe like Toronto, uh, a team, in my opinion, like Brooklyn, uh, maybe another team, I don't know, one of those other kind of bottom feeder teams out west. Uh, I don't want to say the Rockets probably, they wouldn't probably apply, but I think you kind of get what I'm, what I'm saying here, Manoff, is that 
those teams are on the schedule for this Nets team. And I think that when you're going on the road to Detroit or you're going on the road to Charlotte in a game where you might think that you might be able to win, it's going to be tough enough being that you're going on the road. But those teams might come in looking to fight, looking to go ahead and build on something for next year. So I did factor that in. I thought that that was important. But I thought what else was important was this team has 28 games left. They have to play 16 of them on the road. And like I was saying, those bad teams that they're going to play, six out of nine of those bad teams are going to be on the road. Mathematically, it doesn't make any sense to me. I think this team probably wins maybe seven, eight, nine games. But I think asking them to go out there and win like 14 or 13 games, I think it's just a little bit too much because, like I was just saying, those teams that are sitting in the 10th seat or those teams that are just out, you have to be careful with those type of teams. And I think with Brooklyn firing their coach, starting out with a new coach with four games on the road, if they lose that first game in Toronto and then they play, I don't know if it's Detroit or Charlotte, it's one of those bad teams. Actually, I think it's Memphis. If they lose those games, that just sets up really, really bad, and I think it gives them a lot of incentive to go ahead and tank the rest of the year. And bringing in a new coach, like, yeah, you can blame the new guy. And I don't know if it will be Kevin Ollie. I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in maybe an interim or something like that and then maybe get Ollie ready for next year if that's kind of what they want to do. So I don't know what they're going to do necessarily, but the schedule I do not like at all. So, unfortunately, we're on the opposite side here, Manoff. I really like this one, and um, I'm kind of glad that you brought it up because I didn't text some of these certain people that I wanted to text. But, you know, me and you could discuss it now. We could discuss it after the pod and figure out if if maybe that's something wise for me to do. But that's where I stand right now with the Brooklyn Nets. This is easily my biggest future that I'm, that I'm planning on laying out. And so I'm kind of glad we disagree a little bit because we can go ahead and talk and think about it a little bit more and maybe – you know, drill down on, on some of the nuts and bolts with this team and, and, and the schedule and everything else that's involved. One thing I also should have mentioned, we talk about teams that are tanking and, and you know, try to get that draft position. The Brooklyn Nets, they don't have any picks coming up in this 2024 draft because their first round pick for this upcoming draft is going to the Houston Rockets as part of that James Harden trade. And also their two second round, oh, sorry, um, their second round pick is also going to the Houston Rockets as well. So they are not going to have any draft picks unless, you know, something does transpire in the offseason or, you know, on draft day where they do want to get some draft picks. But right now as it stands, and I think this was another thing that I should have mentioned when I said my handicap is that I've been looking for reasons to eliminate um, the Brooklyn Nets, but it just made sense for me that maybe that, a new head coach, and again, they don't have an incentive to tank because, again, like I mentioned, those draft picks are going to the Houston Rockets. One first-round draft pick, no protections on that. It's not protected. That first-round pick is going to go to the Houston Rockets and also their second-round pick, um, which is protected, uh, which we don't know the exact parameters until the season is over. That second-round pick is also going to the Houston Rockets. And next season, their first-round pick, uh is going to i believe okc in a trade uh as well with the houston rockets uh that was i think a three-team deal uh for the houston rockets that they traded the brooklyn nets pick as part of a trade as well so for me um yeah we'll 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 chalk this one as another one that we're going head to head here uh sleepy so we'll we'll put this as i am on the over for the brooklyn nets 34 and a half 
wins at even money and sleepy is taking the under uh so we'll we'll wait till the end of the season or maybe like you mentioned that in the first uh, week or so that uh we'll have an answer if this team is going to be officially tanking and either my bet is toast uh, or your bet is toast any other futures you're sleepy that you were looking at um, as far as either win totals, make miss playoffs, conference, anything that, that stuck out to you that I want to give out to our listeners here? Well, first thing is uh, to go back to the Brooklyn thing and something that you said, and that made a lot of sense. Like that, that and that's super duper important. That's, and I'm glad that's you know why we're on the podcast doing this together. Is you know the the pick incentive is is massive, right? If you don't have any picks, it's like, well, why am I tanking? So. That's an excellent point by you. So feather in your cap for that. And I'm like, again, you know, I'm glad that we get to do the pot and go ahead and discuss this stuff because, you know, we could either be on winners or keep ourselves off winners or at least talk to them and figure out, you know, is it a, is it a bet or a no bet? Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about um, the MVP. So I have two guys here. Let me go ahead and give you guys a quick promotion code before we go ahead and get into those MVP because we had something come across here today. So what we're going to do, uh, if you guys enter streak 50, you guys could save $50 off of anything right now at pregame.com for the NBA season. Now, the NBA season is regularly $349. You could get that $50 off using Streak 50, get that down to $299. Or you guys could use Streak 50 and get NBA plus college basketball. Typically, $399, you can get that down to $349. So you guys can get everything all the way through the college basketball championship, all the way through the NBA finals. Again, go to pregame.com, use Streak 50, save yourself 50 bucks off any of those basketball subscriptions at pregame.com. All right, so that's the promo. Here's my two MVP picks there, Manoth. And I'm thinking let's just focus on the on the Eastern Conference right now. I, I really think that Tatum at 30-1 to 1 is certainly worth uh, a shot there because Boston's the number one team in the East right now, and I think that that will hold weight as the season go ahead and, and kind of chugs along. And Bede's gone. You don't have to worry about that. So he's out. And I think the other guy, and it's a team that you were just talking about there that's impressing you, is the Cleveland Cavaliers. And Donovan Mitchell at 150 to 1. Like you were just saying, like, can they overtake Boston? Well, that's going to hold a whole hell of a lot of weight as well. Do I think SGA is deserving? Sure. Will he get it? It's SGA. You know, like we were just talking about in the All-Star game. You know, some of these guys have to earn their stripes before, you know, they get that MVP award in the All-Star game, before they get that MVP award. I think he's certainly deserving. I don't want to take anything away from his game. He's an excellent basketball player. But I could see him being overshadowed by, you know, one of the bigger, brighter stars that everybody knows that, you know, goes out there and performs on a nightly basis. So I would I would consider maybe making like a small unit wager on Tatum at 30-1. to 1 and maybe kicking in like a pizza bet there on Donovan Mitchell. I'm looking more towards the Eastern Conference uh, instead of guys from the Western Conference because we know Jokic is the MVP favorite. There's a very high probability that he ends up winning again, but I think maybe going ahead and taking a stab at some of the Eastern Conference guys, one one of them going to be a one seed more than likely. I think that that will hold some weight. And you know Mitchell's going to have numbers. Like he's definitely going to put up some big numbers. I could certainly see – you know, a couple 50-point games from him down the stretch. So that's why I said uh, maybe a little bit of a pizza bet on him because he's 150-1. to one. But Tatum at 30-1, I'll go ahead and do that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to argue against uh, Jason Tatum, right? And uh, his odds are starting to shorten as well uh, for Tatum. And I, I'm not a believer in their head coach and Joe Missoula. Um, You know, there's there's been multiple times where he's coughed up leads 
in the in the in the late games or fourth quarters and, and in the playoffs as well. But outside of a team having multiple award winners, I think there we don't really see that, especially in the NBA. If he does, uh, you know, if Boston does end up winning sixty plus games here, and they're on right now, their updated win total is at sixty two and a half with big towards the over at minus one twenty five. That Jason Tatum, that's just probably your pivot uh, to winning the MVP. So I, I'm definitely with you on that for Jason Tatum to win the MVP as well. Um, I, I talked about Jalen Brunson. I mean, his odds had gone down, I believe, to around forty to one. They've now back up to seventy to one. Um, I think he's maybe fizzled out a little bit. I know he's dealing with some knickknack injuries there as well. And again, they're going to get some of their guys back as well, healthy. And I think they're a little too far behind in the standings right now to make a push for the number one seed. Um, but outside of that, I, I really do think that it'll be some of these guys that are that have that have odds that are seventy to one or sure. Like Kawhi Leonard's at fifty to one. You mentioned uh, Jason Tatum. Around twenty to twenty-two to one. Again, definitely shop around for the best number. Luca at eleven to one. Giannis is at eight to one. I I don't understand that number. I think they're going through a lot of struggles right now. And you mentioned SGA at plus two ten. And if they do end up as a number one seed, we could possibly see a team, at least in the Western Conference, get both. Uh, excuse me, NBA Coach of the Year and MVP because we talked about how great OKC has been uh, thus far uh, this season. So if they do get the number one seed. Uh, it's it's a real possibility that you have the MVP and the coach of the year at least uh, on the OKC Thunder team just because of how great they have been. One more bet I did want to throw out here, Sleepy. We talked about the Golden State Warriors and you mentioned them as one of your more disappointing teams, but right now for them to make the playoffs is around plus one twenty uh, currently over on DraftKings, and I do like the yes on this because and I know we've talked a lot about the Warriors and you mentioned Draymond Green and how important he is to this. Uh, Golden State Warriors team and you know maybe he has learned that his on-court antics sometimes and swinging at guys it's only hurting himself but I think more importantly his team as well because this team we've seen it like we've talked about multiple times that they've won titles together and I think that's an opportunity for the Golden State Warriors to have a to build on what they were doing over the last two weeks uh, before the all-star break because this team was well below 500. They fought their way back. Currently, like I mentioned, they're sitting as a 10th seed. They're one game above 500 right now at 27 and 26. And we talked a lot about Steve Kerr, you know, having to play some of these younger guys. And now that you have Jonathan Kaminga in that starting lineup, Sleepy, he's been a, a he's he's been outstanding for them. And I've watched Jonathan Kaminga from his rookie year to second year and now where he's at right now, that there's a there's a difference in this player because he's now playing with a lot of confidence and he just needed that playing time. And I know there was conversation that he was frustrated with his role and the number of minutes that he was getting. Now that he's actually getting the minutes on this team, he's been absolutely fantastic for this Golden State Warriors team. And we also saw the conversation that Clay, T- Clay Thompson came out and said that him and Steve Kerr have. And he's going to be coming off of the bench for this team. And we saw that in the first game. And he said it himself that Either I can pout about it or I can take this as an opportunity and help my team coming off of the bench. And we saw that, that first game where he dropped 35 plus points for the Golden State Warriors coming off of the bench. And he still played the minutes for this Golden State Warriors team. So I think that Steve Kerr and that coaching staff has been able to figure it out. You mentioned that Steve, uh, Steph Curry, one of the best shooters, at least in our generation, if not all time. Uh, anytime he's on the court, you have a chance if Draymond Green, you know, can just just chill and just play basketball 
I think this is a team that can make a, a second half run and possibly even get out, out of that uh, play-in tournament uh, bracket and make the playoffs. So around plus 120, we're currently over on DraftKings. I do like the Golden State Warriors to, uh, to make the playoffs here. I'll take that out of the plus odds. I like that too. I think that this team's hit their stride. You know, talking about Kaminga and talking about Clay kind of made me think like, you know, that we should be happy that Clay's even out there. You know, if this yeah. injury, I mean, how many injuries did he have in a row? Let's say that happened in 1988. Clay Thompson's career would have been over. Yeah. He would have not been able to play basketball. But, you know, thankfully, due to, you know, a lot of the amazing medical technology that we have today and, you know, a lot of the uh, rehabilitation and stuff like that, like we're still able to see Clay Thompson. But, you know, I think with Kaminga there, Munaf, it, it's something that you and I don't understand and we'll never be able to understand it because we don't play NBA basketball is that there's a particular way that you have to play that game. And I think if you play it nervous, I think if it takes you time to kind of get that system down, um, that you're going to, you're going to look bad, but if you can get in there and slide in there and just catch that right streak and you're just like, I got it. Like, I'm not nervous. I know how to play this game. I know where I need to be offensively, defensively. Like, you just get it, right? And I think that that's what Kaminga has experienced is that he was struggling to get it for a little bit. But once he got it, it was like, that's why they held on to this guy. That's why they were trying to go ahead and play him because he has a ton of talent. And now we're seeing that. So he's only going to help this team. And if you know Clay has a problem coming off the bench, I don't think that he will. But, I mean, he's going to – he's always going to provide – spark for this team because he's clay thompson and he's done amazing things so you know when you can get a guy coming off of the bench and i think he'll leak back into the starting lineup obviously at some point here but i mean clay coming off the bench firing threes especially if he's pissed off and motivated like that can only be a good thing for him the crowd and his team in the long run so i like your pick there all right so yeah there we go some of the futures that we do like uh for uh, the second half of the season here. Sleepy, anything else you want to throw out there as far as second half of the season preview or actionable items before we do get into our early, early player prop best bet for the Thursday game? Yeah, before we get into that, why don't we maybe go back to our Brooklyn Nets thing, but let's not talk about our, our wager. Maybe maybe we should discuss a little bit about, you know, Jacques Vaughn, because I did want to say this because yeah. I saw a lot of stuff with him, you know, being fired and a lot of the mouthpieces going off this morning about it, but Here's my thing there, Manoff, is like this is the time that we live in. It's just like we were talking about with the NBA All-Star game. You don't have four to seven years to go out there and see if it works. Like, yeah, your job security today in any job, I mean, it's far less than it ever was before. But, you know, the, the coaches today, I mean, they don't really have a long leash. Today, you know, you go on social media and there's millions of people out there just complaining you know, back in the day, if you wanted to complain, you had to get a piece of paper, a stamp, and mail a letter to the team team office if you can even get that. It took three weeks just to get there. You know what I mean? So back then, there was no there were there was no media or nothing like that. It was like the news. Like what were you doing? You weren't writing the news or banging on, like you know what I mean? It was just it was a different time. So even with the players today, I mean, you, you see guys like it's like oh you know you got two years here, dude. Otherwise we're shipping you out. Never used to do that. So. I personally, I like the Jacques Vaughn hire. I think that he's had more, more brighter moments than he has had dull, especially with, you know, the just the amount of turnover that that guy's had to deal with. So, you know, it's sometimes I wish like a good coach, and I do think that he's a good coach. Sometimes I wish that they didn't step into the situation like that he had, or or going out there and just getting hired to, for a really bad team because they're just bad, and it's like, oh, you know, we fired the coach. Maybe it's the coach problem. It's like you at least want to take over a team that's 
half decent. And I'm not saying that the Nets aren't half decent, but a team that's not going to get you fired, um, I think it, it will help out some of these guys. So, again, it's kind of, you know, it's like the NBA All-Star game. I think you just kind of have to live and learn. I think that that the brass has to, too. Like, they need to give a little bit more leash to a head coach, not go out there and yank them out of there in a, in a year and a half. Now I get it. If the players don't like a particular guy and they're all banded together and they're like, you know what, we're this isn't working, then I can understand. But if it's just like a wins and losses type of thing, like maybe give them like, at least let them finish out the season. Like, where are they going? Even if they go to the playoffs, I mean, they're not going any further with a new coach. Like, that's not what are you going to do? You're going to win. A, you're going to win a playing game. Like, you know, let the guy have some job security and and, and finish out his his uh you know his tenure with with. Maybe with the smile on his face or something like that. I don't know. But I'm not complaining about the firing, but I'm just saying it, it kind of just is what it is today. So um, you see these people up in arms, and it's like we see this like every every two weeks. You know, it's, it's somebody's getting fired for something. And it's what, going back to what you mentioned, that, that he was put into a situation where he did have Kevin Durant at the time. He he took over uh, for um, – Steve Nash, where things weren't working out, where he did have Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden for a portion there before they decided to blow it up. So it kind of reminds me of the situation where my Houston Rockets, they hired Steven Silas to come in and head coach James Harden and Russell Westbrook and and that roster that he was going to inherit. But things went south, and they had to trade. James Harden wanted out. Russell Westbrook was out as well. Um, and then some of the vets that they did have, those guys either left in the offseason or were traded as well. So the job that he was hired for um, and wanted with the players that were on the roster, it just didn't pan out, right? And again, like you mentioned, where traditionally we've seen head coaches have a longer leash, where nowadays it's like, okay, you have a season and a half. You have a, a, a one full season to see what you can do with this roster and just didn't pan out. And I think that it's a very unfair um, unfair situation, I guess we can say, for coaches like Jock Bonham and Steven Sides of the situation that we're put into um, you know, for the respective teams. So it'll be interesting to see going forward that some of these new interim head coaches and how long they get a leash and if they're able to, you know, find success with the roster that they do have. Because like you mentioned with this Brooklyn Nets team, sure, they don't have the greatest talent on this team. And if they do make the playoffs, that it's probably a play-in tournament game that they win. Or if they have to get into the first round, that their their ceiling is probably that first round exit. So again, I think that we're in a world now that we expect results immediately. And sometimes in sports, it just doesn't work out that way. And especially that these coaches are just put in tough situations. And, you know, I think it also affects going forward for them that if they're trying to look for a new head coaching job, that they're like I mentioned, it's it's just a, it's an unfair situation from that. That's something that might be on their resume and, and may not be something that other teams are looking at. Like, hey, you didn't have success with this team. What happened there? So I think that's just something that's unfair for these coaches. And I had Steven Silas wasn't able to get a new head coaching job. Now he's an assistant coach for one of the worst teams in the league and the destroyed Pistons. So it sometimes it just goes that way. So, you know, we'll, we'll continue talking about, you know, uh, things like this in the offseason. I think this is a great conversation piece that does transpire in the association. You know what I think, Ronoff, just yeah. quickly before we go ahead and wrap yeah. up, is that when you continuously fire people, um, you, you, you kind of put a stain on them. 
and then you're looking for the next best thing to come in. But it kind of reminds me of the product that the NFL has right now with their quarterbacks is that they're forcing these young kids out of college and they're hyping them up because, you know, the NFL draft, uh, we all like to see quarterbacks being drafted and we see quarterbacks that wouldn't normally be drafted in the fourth round being taken in the top 10 picks. And then that crop just becomes so diluted and then the product becomes bad. I think a lot of you who are listening to this, if you watch the NFL, would agree that the overall quarterback play this year in the NFL might have been the worst that I've it might be the worst that I've ever seen. Like it's mm-hmm. gotten bad because they're pushing these kids who aren't ready into starting jobs and the product is just becoming bad. And if you keep pulling these kids out before they're mature enough and before their bodies are ready to go ahead and play the NFL game, then the product is just going to continuously get worse and worse and worse. And going back to the NBA, if you keep firing coaches because you only allow them to be on the bench for six months or a year, then it's like, well, now what are you doing? Are you digging into the college basketball ranks? And, and you just, I, I think we just have to be careful with wanting everything right now and getting everything that we want when we want it, because eventually it's going to end up, really, it's going to end up kicking us in the ass. And I think that the NFL is starting to feel that. And I saw it on, on the TV screen all year long. If the NFL keeps up with this and the NBA keeps up with this, you're going to end up with a lot of really bad coaches that aren't ready. And you're going to end up with a lot of really bad football teams with bad quarterbacks on them that can't play the NFL type of game. And when you end up with a guy like a Patrick Mahomes, he's going to win the Super Bowl. He's going to beat you year after year after year because you just don't have enough teams to throw at him with good quality quarterbacks. So I'll just say that. I'll leave it at that. But I think that uh, – and look, I'm, I mean, who am I talking to? I'm talking to a very small audience. I'm not talking to, uh, you know, the NBA and NFL uh, executives. But I do think that that's something that, you know, at least us as listeners need to kind of take note of that, especially when we're betting, is that there's a lot of immature talent out there. And a lot of it, unfortunately, you know, it, it is on the NBA coaching benches and it is in the NFL uh, quarterback room. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Again, this is a conversation that we could sit here and talk about for hours and hours. And um, and I think it transpires in all sports, right? Like you mentioned with the NFL, it happens in the NBA. You can talk about the MLB as well, uh, on the ice as well. So um, I think it's a great conversation piece. You know, I think we'll put a pin in it for that uh, in it for now. Um, and maybe we can, you know, reopen that in the offseason where we don't have a lot to talk about in the association. But I think that was just a good conversation that we did have about, you know, head coaching and, and, and things like that, um, particularly in the NBA as well. So maybe you mentioned that we probably want to get out and beat some of these lines for the Thursday games, because we already have game lines out. We have some player props out as well. And, you know, our first half, we did really well so far for our player prop best bet. And you said, Hey, let's get a early player prop best bet out there. Maybe we'll give out another one uh, on, uh, on the, uh, another part that we do later this week. Uh, for the second half uh, game starting on Thursday here. So we'll give out a player prop best bet before we wrap it up here, Sleepy, and hopefully we can continue our winning ways here. So we'll go over to the game between the Phoenix Suns and the Dallas Mavericks. And when you when I mentioned this prop to you, uh, you were already 110% on board with this because we felt like this number was a little bit wrong here. So Sleepy, I'm going to give you the floor here and give out our player early player prop best bet for the Thursday games for the second half of the season tipping off. What do we got for our listeners? All right. Well, the first thing I asked you when you when you said your recommendation, I was like, is this game on TV? And you're like, yeah. yep, <laughs> TNT. 
So we're going to go ahead and we're going to play Luca over 30 and a half points. I think one of the things that you do have to be worried about here, Manoff, is that what did this guy's all-star week look like? Is he going to be fresh or is he going to look to go and take that extra day off because he had to put in two extra days when everybody else didn't? But I don't think that applies here to Luca. I think Luca kind of took the day off yesterday. If you went out and you watched him play, I mean, he, he didn't he try to dunk it and he got stuffed. Like that was just funny. <laughs> <It's> but twice. <laughs> it's not like Luca went out there and, uh, and and put out a whole hell of a lot of effort. But I think when you get Luca in prime time, that the referees tend to go ahead and and, and Luca is like he's one of those guys. Like if you ever want to watch a basketball player complain every time that they drive into the lane, like Luca's that guy. Like. He, he's going to he's gonna get his calls, you know, to get him to the free throw line. But 30 and a half, it feels low for a primetime game against a team in the Suns who, you know, he's had success with. So the minute you said this one, I was uh, I was on board already. But the minute I found out he was going to be on TV, I'm like, yeah, this is probably a great one because people like to bet the TV game. So if you don't get after this now, you're going to end up laying 31 and a half and playing over because – the public and everybody's just going to bet this over because it's on TV. So get it now and uh, and get the best number, 30 and a half. I think if this was any other team that the Dallas Mavericks and Luka were facing, I wouldn't be on this prop. Uh, but just because it is the Phoenix Suns and there is some, I guess, rivalry or beef between Luka and, and Devin Booker dating back to, I think, a couple of seasons ago, um, you know, where they played in that playoff series and the Dallas Mavericks actually you know, uh, blew them out of the waters led by Luca. In some words, he's being exchanged by Devin Booker and Luca. I I I wouldn't be on this prop, but if you just take a look at what Luca has done over the past six games against this Dallas, sorry, against this Phoenix Suns team. So I'll quickly read off these numbers here. So Last six games, 35-33. There was a game where he played three minutes. I believe he left that game with an injury last year um, and only played three minutes, got one rebound, and I think that that was it for him. But the last three games, going um, after that 35-33 and point performance, he had 34. This season in two games, on Christmas Day, he dropped a 50-piece against the Phoenix Suns. He also finished that game with six rebounds and 15 assists. And then about a month later, he faced this Phoenix Suns team again on January 24th of this year, 39 minutes, 34 points. And we're about almost, it's going to be another month later where he's facing this uh, Phoenix Suns team on their home floor. Now you're going to get a well-rested Luka. He played 23 minutes in the All-Star game. But I mean, if you watch that game, he was just out there having a good old time chunking up the i'm not sure if you saw the uh the meme or the uh video that said where he jacked up that 70 foot you know shot and uh somebody responded that this might have been the worst shot ever taken in the all-star game and luca responded uh two for one and he's put dot 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 analytics but he was just out there having a good time and again I think this is another opportunity where Luca just comes out and plays well against a team that I don't want to say he hates, but he has some type of beef against. So I think that again for Luca to get over 30 and a half points here in the first game to kick off the second half of the season, a team that he eh, we can say he despised, and there's maybe a little bit of rivalry brewing here, but he wants to go out and stick it to this team. Uh so we're gonna go with Luca Dantage over 30 and a half points right now against the Phoenix Suns as an early player prop best bet here. Sleepy. Anything else you want to add here before we wrap it up? 
Yeah, I mean, we might have a little motivation, believe it or not, the fact that, you know, Luke is getting his balls busted on social media. He's out there, <laughs> like, getting stuffed by the rim. It's like, all right, you know, you want to see the real MVP? You want to see a real all-star? I'll show you what it's like in a meaningful game against meaningful players. So, yeah, I think Luca has a big one here. Uh, all right, that is going to wrap it up for this NBA podcast. This was a lot of fun. I know it's not typically, you know, us breaking out games and and giving out um, best bets for the daily uh, games that we do do. But I think this was a good opportunity for us to kind of get some of the listeners up to speed of what transpired in the first half, give some actionable bets for the second half of the season, what we expect from some of these teams uh, and what we don't expect from some of these teams. And we have our second head to head as well uh, for the Brooklyn Nets win total right now at 34 and a half. I'm on the over. Sleepy's on the under, but I think this was uh, some great discussion that we did have, Sleepy. But we'll be back um, later this week sometimes to break down the actual games that are going to start on Thursday, like I mentioned, for the second half of the season here, Sleepy. So anything else you want to mention, my friend, before we go our separate ways? No, no. Enjoy uh, enjoy the Daytona 500. That's about all that's on. Oh, wait. Did we get, yeah, there's only like a couple of college basketball games on the day. So just enjoy it and uh, get ready. Let's get locked and loaded for the second half of the NBA. Yeah, a couple more days for us to kind of recharge our batteries uh, before we're right back on the grind for the second half of the season. So like I mentioned, we'll be back uh, later this week. Look out for that if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast feed and to the NBA uh, pod here as well. Go ahead and do so. We'll get it started, hopefully back to our winning ways for the uh, second half of the NBA season. All right, that's going to do it. Good luck with your bets, and we'll talk to you guys down the road.